The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about marketing for the manufacturing industry. Joining us is Jeff White, a principal at Kula Partners, which helps leading manufacturers digitally transform their marketing and sales processes to grow their competitive edge. And yesterday, Jeff told us about some of the industry-specific challenges and the target segments that he sees in the manufacturing industry. And today, we're going to talk about the channel mix he applies when marketing for manufacturing companies. Okay. Here's our interview with Jeff White, principal at Kula Partners. Jeff, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again for having me, Benjamin. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the nuances of the manufacturing industry, relatively large companies, very nuanced and large organizational structures, which means that you're selling into multiple different segments. You mentioned at some point you're reaching nine or 10 decision makers somewhere along the lines to complete a sale. With that said, I'd love to hear a little bit about the playbook, the marketing strategy and the channel mix that you apply for manufacturing companies to help them reach and to help them sell to the wide variety of people that have a hand in the decision-making process. It's pretty interesting. The tools that are available, whether you're a manufacturer or a large SaaS company, as we were talking about yesterday, the tools are relatively similar, but I think how they get applied and how they get used may be a little bit different. One of the things that manufacturing marketers and the sales teams within those organizations have is a very well-defined understanding of who their customers are and what it is that they're doing. They may be creating a component that is a sensor that goes in a particular type of engine, for example. So they know exactly who they're selling that to. Or they may be manufacturing an adhesive for a very specific purpose for a very specific company. So one of the things that they do very well in the manufacturing space is to have a great understanding of who they're selling to. What they may not do so well or what they may be resource strapped for is the specific strategy or tactics that they can use to kind of get in front of those people. I think in a lot of ways, the tactics that we end up applying for many of our clients are not dissimilar to what we would use in other industries. But that could include pay-per-click advertising with Google or Bing or others. There's a fair amount of very targeted paid search 
work that we've done with a large number of our customers, mostly on LinkedIn, but also Facebook to a lesser extent in terms of surrounding people at client organizations, especially when it comes to event-based marketing. So the vast majority of our customers have some form of trade show presence and usually attend several or numerous trade shows within a year, usually not just in North America, but also in many of the other markets that they serve. So we do a lot of digital activation of trade shows, which isn't necessarily a thing that many of the marketers that we talk to are used to or have experienced in the past. So we'll help them surround that event with their marketing messaging, both online and offline, using some of the publications that may be available in the area. We'll also do a digital lead capture for them at their booth or the production of assets to kind of pass out and engage with people at those trade shows looking mainly to drive them back to a web platform either during or after the show. Of course, a large percentage of our clients have distributors. So there are a number of different ways that they activate that as well. One of them is one of the folks that we're talking to right now. They do a really good job of promoting the products of their manufacturers on a monthly newsletter, for example. And manufacturers will often make available co-op dollars to their distributors to promote their products specifically. So we'll work with them on strategies for how to leverage that, how to get that information out there, and ensure that it drives the appropriate lead flow and sets up a good purchase path with their distributors. We also do a lot of lead generation from the manufacturing side that then drives those leads down to distributors and dealers. So the site may have a lead magnet of some description. Oftentimes, it's an interactive calculator or something that will help them figure out what products specifically they might need from an overall mix. And once they capture that data, they will actually send it to the distributors who are in that geographic area and service that particular client base. And we build in a number of checks and balances in that system to ensure that those leads are followed up with. So what I'm hearing is there's a process that you go through to help your customers understand who their customers are. And a lot of the marketing channel mix that you're using are things where either manufacturers are aggregating or you're using relationships with reach to multiple different manufacturers, like your distributors. And then there's also using a web presence to help provide some value and engage with your customers, like your calculators, so they understand whether the product is a fit for them. Let's go back to the beginning of the strategy you laid out and talk a little bit about knowing your customer. What's the process that you go through to understand and define who the customers are? That is largely based on a couple of different things, whether it be in-person or a digital outreach. So we'll often do a digital voice with a customer workshop with our clients where we will engage with their customers either through surveys or phone calls or other mechanisms like that to get a sense of what it is that they're looking for, what their experience has been and what they're understanding. We will also do often in-person workshops with sales teams, both inside and outside to really get an understanding of what they're hearing in the field. And it's always interesting when you get in front of a salesperson is you ask them, what are the common objections that you're hearing? And the first one they'll say is, it's always price. The only thing they're concerned about is getting a better deal. And once you probe a little bit deeper, especially with experienced sales folks, is that you begin to get into the nitty gritty of what the actual objections are. 
Sure, the ones that they're hearing immediately are often price-based, but usually there's some other piece to that as well that you can glean from them if you really work with them long enough. And that can help to inform particular pieces of content that might get created for those sales teams to leverage as part of an account-based marketing strategy. The irony is salespeople complaining about the price is too high when most of them are compensated on a percentage of the deal that they sell. And it's like, well, if we lower the price and you sell more, you don't actually make more money. You just get more work. So figure out how to sell. It's interesting to hear that you're sort of interviewing internally and externally. And that's a process that I've used to try to define customer segments for companies that I've consulted with is, you know, you go and you sit down with the company and talk about how are you describing the product? What are the problems that you're facing? And then interview the customers and understand how they think about the problem that they're trying to solve for and make sure that there is a match there. Once you have your customers defined, you mentioned that you are using a lot of trade shows, and this is sort of the tried and true method for manufacturing. There's a lot of events that people are aggregating at, and you're doing digital lead capture. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about the process and strategy behind making the most out of trade shows and events. The thing to remember about most of these trade shows is that these are incredibly expensive events for most of these companies to go to. There's the travel and the booth and the setup and all of that. So having there be a positive ROI coming out of that trade show, one that can be tracked, well, let's just say that the results are inconsistent in terms of what we're hearing from when we begin to work with a new manufacturer, for example. It's a high-risk channel. It is very much so, but yet it's also still the one that most of them lean on first. I'll restate, it's a high risk, high reward channel. It can be for sure. And I think where we help a lot of our clients in this space is for them to be able to prove the ROI that they got from that particular trade show. 
in the past, especially with a lot of larger organizations with disparate sales teams that may be not all inside, is that they may not be using a CRM. So there's no way for them to actually track who has come in through that. We hear it all the time from salespeople. I know who all of our customers are. I've got it here in this document on my laptop. So you have that embedded knowledge of the customer base that is largely in the head or sometimes the computer of the salesperson that you're talking to. Are these the same salespeople that are complaining about the price? Yeah, almost always. Well, okay. <laughs> So they don't want to be forced to use technology to track what they're doing because then they might be held responsible for that. But where we often help our clients is in setting up a process and a system for figuring out who did come in from that particular trade show. Is that an organization that we already know? Because that's the other thing that we hear from salespeople a lot is, I don't need anybody to do prospecting for me. I already know all of our possible customers in North America. We hear that more frequently than you would think. So one of the things that having digital lead capture at a trade show event is that it enables you to see, all right, well, who is new in this that came by our booth? Who did we meet that we didn't know before? And who's new at the organizations that we thought we already knew? And what are their specific requirements? And what is it that we're going to need to be able to sell into that organization? And then from there, you can begin to develop the resources that are required in order to start to move those organizations down funnel. What I'm hearing is that a lot of manufacturing organizations are probably a little older, a little bit more mature. It's not a new industry. It is not digital technology. Manufacturing has been obviously going on for a long time. And that you're running into problems with people being held accountable using technology. And that's where you're getting a little conflict between the sales team and the marketing efforts and providing that tracking. One of the things that I'm interested in hearing about is more about the use of content and about your nurturing strategy, going to trade shows, figuring out who you're meeting, figuring out if you already have relationships, obviously very important. But when you have a lead, are you doing much content development? That's something that is critical to the B2B enterprise SaaS industry. You see lots of webinars, lots of white papers, lots of email marketing. Is that playbook being transferred over to the manufacturing industry as well? It is now. Certainly, we have some client organizations for whom massive growth might mean a dozen or a couple dozen clients or maybe even less. We have some customers where a single deal is worth tens of millions of dollars. And as such, they're often willing to invest in specific content just to get that particular customer thinking about them as a solutions provider. A number of our clients are actually developing challenger type content where they're trying to position themselves as having been thinking about a particular issue that their customers have in a way that their customers haven't been considering it before. So they're looking at things from, if it's a packaging company, they may be looking at things from a, an environmental perspective or a storage perspective that maybe those folks hadn't thought of before and presenting that to them either through a customized white paper that's just for them. Maybe they're doing a webinar just for their people internally. And in some cases, that stuff is being delivered directly via the salesperson. So we talked a little bit about the way that you're doing lead generation. And a lot of that is trade shows and distributor relationships, getting to your customers where they're aggregating or building relationships that can go out and reach a large number of customers. 
It seems like the nurture stage and using content is a relatively new phenomenon in the merchandising industry, but that's how you're staying and building relationships with your customers. And you're in some cases doing ABM type work where you're building content specifically for a prospect. Talk to me about sales enablement and how are you trying to drive your highest quality leads through the conversion funnel? What are you doing to support the sales team to turn leads into dollars? So some of the things that we're doing, I mean, we talked a little bit about this a few moments ago, but is around creating trackable content for the specific salespeople that they can brand for themselves and then present that to their prospects. In a lot of cases, some of the organizations that we work with actually create physical samples for the prospects that they're dealing with. And they'll be sending those out, whether that be like a 3D printed test piece to show what the capabilities are or what the thinking is. And they'll send that out and then follow up with that or a formulation of a particular paint or adhesive or something like that, depending on what it is that they're manufacturing. So it's interesting because in a lot of cases, the funnel and the sales cycle with the kinds of folks that we work with transcends both digital and the physical world in that there will often be some kind of component of the product that is being created that's provided in order to showcase what the possibilities are. And then using their CRM and their other sales enablement tools to track what the results were from that and begin to see how those folks are actually moving down the funnel. With many of these organizations having incredibly long sales cycles, being able to get analytics and understand the ROI of these programs takes a very long time and where they may not be working many deals at once because of the sheer size and complexity of those deals. It's going to take some time, especially as they digitally transform themselves to begin to understand what's working and what's not. So we'll work with them on iterating those pieces of content on iterating what they're sending along with the physical samples in order to engage with those folks and see how they're responding to it and get them to come back to the website and come back to a particular piece of content they may have provided in order to showcase the expertise. And really for them, it's all about beginning to track that so that they can understand whether or not their KPIs are being met down the road. Jeff, I think you're a genius. You want to know why? I'm not sure, but why? (laughs) Well, I think what you're doing, while technically complex, is not rocket science, right? Like these are best practices for digital marketing. And I don't mean to oversimplify anything that is happening in the B2B SaaS industry. And maybe it's just that I'm more familiar with it. But I think that you have found a niche as a marketer applying best practices that I think most marketers are like, hey, use content to nurture and retarget, like develop sales collateral that is trackable across the entire funnel. None of this is mind-blowingly unique, but the industry that you're focusing in, which is large, has lots of capital, lots of opportunity, and is going through some expansion, finding that niche is just a target-rich environment. So to me, the positioning of Kula Partners and being a marketer that is focused specifically on manufacturing makes you distinct, makes you unique, gives you a set of customers that have 
capital to be able to invest in your services. And then you're able to take these playbooks, which for a lot of marketers are, I don't mean to oversimplify, but it's like, yeah, that's how you manage a long sales cycle. Get in front of a lot of people, event marketing. There is nothing that is crazy new out of the box. Oh, this is the weird thing we do in manufacturing. (laughs) It seems like it's relatively standard stuff to me as we talk through it. Yeah, I think it is. Given that all of our organizations that we work with make things, the one differentiator that they have is that there are physical goods at the end of the day. So there are opportunities for them, especially in those longer sales cycles with plant tours and the ability to kind of see the products in action. But overall, you're quite right. The tactics and the strategies that are deployed are largely consistent with other industries. But it is an industry that is largely in need of disruption and transformation because they're not necessarily doing it themselves, even though they know they need to. My guess is the biggest challenge that you face is not necessarily implementing a strategy that is the right one. It sounds like you've got that pretty nailed down. It is the interpersonal relationships with people that have been working for a company or in an industry for a long period of time and are let's call it stagnant in their ways and teaching the salesperson who wants the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross leads <laughs> yeah. that he needs to start using a CRM so he can track whether somebody is actually responding to his email or not. Getting that engagement internally seems like a big challenge or maybe the biggest challenge based on what we've said. It certainly is, but let's not forget a lot of these organizations are starving for talent to come into the marketing and sales roles. And as a result, there are a number of younger folks who are making that move into these organizations. I've met with some really fantastic millennial marketers who are moving into these old stoic manufacturing companies and trying to bring a lens of modern marketing to it. And oftentimes it takes leaning on an outside organization like Kula to really convince the powers that be that this is the way to go. Well, Jeff, I think it's really interesting to hear about the transition of an industry as large, as complex, and as nuanced as manufacturing. And I appreciate that your brand has specialized and is taking an approach that is logical and makes sense and is one that's applied more in the industry that I see, which is the technology industry. So thanks for walking us through a little bit about marketing in the manufacturing industry. Thanks very much. I'm glad to have the opportunity. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jeff White, principal at Kula Partners, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Jeff, you can click the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at brightwhite, B-R-I-G-H-T-W-H-I-T-E, or you could visit his company's website, which is kulapartners.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't sweat it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning.
And if you prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players and episode summaries and contact information for our guests. So to subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.